Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Uh, My name is Chris. I'm the senior leader here at Harvest Valley. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, We are in our Praying with Power series. Um, Annalie, can you do me a favor and just turn the PowerPoint slideshow on for me? That'd be great. Oh, man. God is good. All the time. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm excited because the series that we're in is about him and his goodness. Being revealed in our lives, being revealed in our hearts, where he is doing something in and through us that is far outweighing what we see in the natural. How many of you sense that the world's a little afraid and has been for probably about a decade, abnormally afraid. Like fear has gripped governments. Fear has gripped regions, cities, towns. Fear has gripped the church. But God has called us to be fearless. He reminded Joshua, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. I'll be with you wherever you go. Don't step to the left. Don't step to the right. Follow me. As his disciples, God has called us into a place of following God at a much higher level than we're maybe used to. As Christians, we're going to talk about um, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. This is week three in our series through this um, um, series. This will end prior to Father's Day, um, and then we will start a new series over the summer. Um, One of the things that I know to be true is that when I get my communication right with God, it begins to clean up my communication with my spouse. It begins to clean up my communication with my friends and my children because I can begin to have a proper conversation with God. I can now have a proper conversation with the world. I can have a proper conversation with my leaders that are in my life that I'm submitted to. I can have a healthy conversation with them even when I disagree. Agree, it can be healthy. It can be because I'm submitted to the Lord. And so when I learn how to operate between me and God, I suddenly now have a new way to operate between me and man. And oftentimes our words are twisted and our mind is twisted because we don't have this right yet. We don't quite, we haven't. Fully surrendered, maybe. I thought, Colleen, your word was awesome. (laughs) Like, there's this reality of what God wants to do in and through us that requires us to get this right above all else. Because if we can get this right, my relationship with the Father, accurate and healthy, suddenly the rest of my relationships will bear the fruit of righteousness. Don't. Don't let that, you know, one of the fruit of righteousness is persecution. <clears throat> so don't think that bearing the fruit of righteousness means everybody likes me and we're happy because the world hates you. The, the devil hates you. So the more right you get here, the more your light shines. To use the analogy I used last week, that we have a light. In the spiritual realm, because we talked about our Father who art in heaven, right? Uh, That there's a light shining through the spiritual realms because we're seated in heaven with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, right? Colossians 3.1. And then we are also right here, right now in this place. So because I'm linked from here to heaven, I don't understand the metaphysics of it, but it's crazy. I'm seen in the spiritual realm by the light that shines, 
So the devil sees how bright your light is and will do anything and everything to shut your light down. We are called to be the light of the world. We are the light of the world. So God wants to raise up bright lights to reveal his glory. And if this connection between me and God is dim, the devil's happy. And then he can twist all the things up around us to make sure that we stay away from the house of God, to make sure we're offended with people from church, to make sure that every time God calls me into my next season of ministry, that the story of the past replays itself so loud that I say, no, I'm not going to take that risk again. Come on now. I know I'm not just talking about myself. Okay. That's from the devil. That is not God saying, oh, maybe you should wait another time. Maybe you should wait till later to make your light shine brighter. That's God? That's not God. God's not waiting for you to figure it out maybe someday off, off yonder. Now is the time to shine. Now is the time to be bright. I believe that as we press through this Lord's Prayer, as we press through the model prayer, the protocols of heaven that God has given us in order to pray the way he's asked us to pray, we will have tremendous breakthrough between here and heaven. So, let's read through it. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. This is the, uh, sorry, I'm going to pause. This is Luke 11, 1 through 3. There's two passages where we see this, uh, the model prayer in Scripture. One, of course, is in the Sermon on the Mount, which is the most popular version. And then in Luke 11, we see the disciples ask Jesus, hey, will you teach us how to pray like John taught his disciples how to pray? And Jesus says, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. Now we're in verse 2. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay. Today we're going to be talking about the passage... Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're actually going to take two weeks on that because it's too big to fit into one week. Um, But um, for many of us, this battle cry that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven has been over the last 20 years, we have seen an absolute resurgence of consideration and thought given to the higher purposes of Christianity. Uh, A long time, all Christianity was about was personal piety, being a member of the church, and a belief in a set of facts and principles given by God in the Scriptures. That was what it meant to be a believer. It's like, I, I do what I'm told. I follow... The principles of God. I follow the word of God. I love Jesus and I follow the word of God. That was, that was what we had for generations. And um, in the last 200 years, we have seen multiple revivals that have transformed cities and seen millions to come to know Jesus in a tangible way. We've seen a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit with signs, wonders, miracles, speaking in tongues, the interpretation in tongues, miracles, healings, words of wisdom, words that we've seen all this stuff break loose in the past 200 years. We are in a unique season of experiencing heaven on earth in a tangible way. One of the results of these revivals has been a, what we would call a great awakening in the body of Christ to pursue and implement God's will in the earth. 
This is coming from a lot of streams. This is way bigger than just Bethel, Bill Johnson, you know, great book, When Heaven Invades Earth, phenomenal book. Right? It's bigger than that. I'm talking about like the, the fields of philosophy, psychology. Jordan Peterson, who's a psychologist, talks all the time about heaven on earth. It's like, okay, that, and he's secular. However you want to parse it, his voice is secular. He's not a Christian leader. I think that, that it's really interesting because roughly 1,400 years, for 1,400 years, our faith, the, for our faith, the establishment of heaven on earth meant establishing the universal or Catholic church. From about 300 AD to about 1700, that was what it was. I believe that God is reawakening in the hearts and minds of men and women who love him and follow him a renewed passion to get to his heart for nations and for our families. So with that, let's review a little bit of our series so far. We've got, um, the, in the introduction, we laid down some core foundational principles. We talked a lot about what is the role of the ecclesia, what does it mean to be the church, right? And we found out that the word church um, is, was not actually the main translation of the word. It's gathering or assembly, but it wasn't until the King James Version that it became the word church, okay? Consistently across the board, if it involved faith, it became the assembly of believers became the church, Okay, so, so it, it took a different turn under the King James Version to where now when we see the word church, it's the word ecclesia. But in other places where it's not referred to religiously, it is called an assembly or a gathering in Scripture. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Okay, but the ecclesia is the divine force Jesus left for the sake of his kingdom. The great confession established purpose, the foundations of the ecclesia. Right, the great confession is when Peter... Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Jesus says, well done. You said it right. Well done, Simon Barjona. Simon, son of the dove. Great job. This was not revealed to you by man, but it was revealed to you by my father. And based on this revelation, this thing that was revealed upon this rock, I shall build my ecclesia and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay, so we are a we are a transformational force, and that is grounded in the initial use of the word ecclesia. Jesus is the first person to ever use that term in a religious context. So when he co-ops this Roman, it's a kind of a Roman governance term, he co-ops that and he uses that in, in regards specifically to his disciples being the ecclesia. He gives them the foundation that they are going to take territory from the enemy. Okay? Now, we also see that Jesus teaches us to pray with purpose. Right? We know that he said, when you pray, say. Right? The word say is lego. The word pray is prosukamai. So when you prosukamai, lego. When you prosukamai, lego. So the word prosukamai means to make a declaration. Say it with authority. The word say actually means like Legos, like building blocks, like put it in order. So the word say there comes from the word logo, right, which is the word word, but it's like actually put it in order, okay? So be thoughtful. And so Jesus gives us this divine heavenly protocol. The model prayer is an effective protocol given by God with purpose. Okay, now last week, uh, we talked about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The reality is that our positions, as our position as sons must be where we pray from. We have to come to God our Father as our Father, as our Heavenly Father, and we come as sons and daughters of God, which gives us rights and privileges. It gives us priority in heaven. You're a son. It's interesting that he says, our Father in 
and it's literally translated, our Father in the heavens, it's plural, but it just, I think it got confusing for people, so they just, just we'll just say heaven. So, he's the authority in every realm. Amen. We talked about the three heavens, right? And, and if you want to watch the whole thing, you can get it on YouTube. Three heavens. Heaven, heaven, like his presence, where he lives, God lives, where we're seated. Then we have a heavenly realm, which is where principalities and powers and demons and angels are doing their thing in the second heaven. And, that, and then we have our natural physical planet, which is the first heaven. Okay, does that make sense? Okay. So there is power in his name. Don't use it lightly. Hallowed be your name means make his name holy in the place where you are. To hallow something is to make it holy. Well, his name's already holy. You can't make his name holier. It's holy. But what you can do is you can establish his name in a place and make the place holy so his name is holy in that place. That's what he's talking about with hallowed be your name. Does this make sense? All right. We doing all right? There's a reveal. Let's jump in. Let's talk about heaven on earth. Okay. Hmm. To ask for God's kingdom to come requires that we know that when it can happen, Jesus never asked for anything that wasn't possible. Would you agree with that? So, to ask for God's kingdom to come is to know that he has all authority and in all realms. Like we talked about last week. Uh, the word here for kingdom is really interesting. It means kingdom. I mean, uh, like literally king's domain, right? The king's domain, they put it together, kingdom, right? It's his domain. In the days which Jesus lived and used this word kingdom, there were plenty of kings and plenty of kingdoms, but his kingdom was from the throne of the creator who has the ultimate authority over all that he created, right? John 18, 36, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. This is really important. My kingdom is not of this world. The Father's kingdom is one of a higher realm of authority. What we must see is that the higher realm of authority over all that is created, whether it's the heavens, the earth, it's all the realms of his kingdom. And we talk about it in, the, in the, our Father in heaven. We talk about his area of authority. Listen, the reason why often we are not prosukamai lego with passion and faith is because for some reason we don't think God actually has the authority. Right. Some reason we think the devil's more powerful in whatever the situation is. Maybe we're waiting for something to move and the devil's whispering, God's not going to do it. Oh, you're never going to see that happen. No. Nope. That debt will never get paid off. No, those things won't ever happen. You'll never be blessed with a, with a healthy marriage. See, the devil's just whispering, trying to get you to stop praying and saying, God, let heaven come here. In the New Testament, we see uh, two terms used for the word kingdom. Right, and it applies to Jesus when he's teaching. The first term in the majority of its uses is the word kingdom of God, right? Establishing the kingdom of God. So when Jesus is talking, he's talking about the kingdom of God, and that is a kingdom of dominion and authority of God. 
right? The other one that we see is only in the Gospel of Matthew. Only Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven, right? It's interesting. He's the only author that, and in all the synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they follow each other almost verbatim, right? They tell very similar stories. They're very close. And let me tell you, Eyewitnesses see things differently, so anything that you think is like, oh, well, it didn't say it exactly the same in all three. It's because three guys were standing at different angles, and they're receiving different things, and they're giving us what they got. That does not make the testimony not true. You understand that? Okay. So, so in Matthew, he uses the term kingdom of heaven. Matthew had a revelation of the kingdom that implied the authority, power, and presence of God in heaven to be, a something, to be something that needs to be established here on earth. Matthew had this revelation. When Jesus teaches on the kingdom of heaven, he uses parables and analogies to describe it. It always infers a kingdom here on earth. It always infers a now kingdom. When he talks about the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, the kingdom of heaven is like, name the, name the parable, tons of them. Do you, do you know one off the top of your head, kingdom of heaven parable? No? Woman who lost the coin, right? There's a ton. The pearl, kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. Sell everything to get it, right? So we can sit here and talk about what we think heaven should look like because we understand what Jesus said about it. Oftentimes, when we see these parables and these analogies, for some reason, we don't think it's for us right here, right now. Like this is the way God intended it to be. But he gives us the parables. He gives us understanding through these analogies so that we can make that real right here, right now in this place. Are you guys okay? Yeah. All right. We hear often the phrase from the mouth of Jesus that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus often would talk about this authority of heaven being on the ecclesia. Right? Let's talk about that. Like, this is not some faraway place. I just gotta, I feel like we need to get past this block that we have about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was speaking of where he was right then, right there with his disciples. And then Jesus says, It's better that I go away that the Holy Spirit might come to you. Those things that I did, you're going to do in even greater things. In fact, in, um, I think, it, yeah, in Matthew 10, he says, as you preach, as you go preach, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. It is here. It is here. It's at hand. Why is that? Listen. The kingdom of heaven starts in us. Amen. The kingdom of heaven starts in us. The, where the Holy Spirit has authority is in us. We've submitted our lives to Jesus. He has authority in us. Amen. Okay. So, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven being at hand, it's not far away. It is within. Right? In fact... Jesus said so. <laughs> the kingdom of God is within you. Let's talk about the will, right? We talk about heaven, kingdom of heaven. It's, it's interesting because it like takes so many different forms, so many different facets, there's parable on parable on parable about what the kingdom looks like. And yet, he says, let your kingdom come and your will be done. 
And this is always tricky because some people, for whatever reason, have believed that God's will is kind of unknowable. Like, it's really hard to figure out. I don't know what God's will is. I can't understand it. I don't know what God's will is for this situation or this place I'm at. I don't understand what God's will is. And yet God has made his will very clear and very plain to us. It is a spirit of confusion that wants to prevent you from understanding what the will of God is. It is to prevent you from actually doing the will of God. (laughs) That I don't know what the will of God is, is from the devil. Because what you should do is open up the Bible, read the Word of God, and discover His will for your life. He's written us an entire book about His will, about what He wants to do. It's not just hope, a wish that maybe someday this is His will for our lives to be holy. It is will for our lives to live righteous. It is will. It is his will for our lives to save those who need salvation. It is his will for our life to be his hands and his feet. It is his will for us to have fellowship with one another. It is his will that we worship him with all of our heart. I could go on all day. His will is plain and it's big. There's a lot of it. Find the one that fits. Find his will that fits your situation and bank on it. Instead of being confused, say, God, your word says that your will is. I'm not seeing that. I'm confused or I don't understand. Have that honest conversation with the Lord. But say, God, even if I don't get it, your will is this. And I'm going to prosuke my Lego that. Your will. The Father's will is for all of mankind to encounter Him. God wishes that everyone would live for all eternity in His presence. God wishes that none should perish. His will is for your neighbor, your brother, your sister your father, your mother, your son, your daughter, your co-worker to encounter him. God's will is that they encounter him. See, heaven is the place where God's will is perfectly enacted without any failure on behalf of anyone. Heaven is perfect. Nobody messes it up. It's his throne. It's his place. It's the third heaven. This is where God is. Every need is met. It is God's will for the earth to look like his heavenly home. I'll let you ponder that for a moment. All right, and if we look at heaven... This is where we're going to go when we leave our earthly bodies, okay? We all know and understand that there is no pain, no suffering. There is no sickness. There is no poverty. There's no more dying. No more tears. And there's even no one there that is doing his or her own will. In heaven, we'll only do the Father's will. And the Father's will is that you might be, let me just say this, that you find delight and joy in Him. Boy, that selfishness in us just goes, but I want, to get, I want to get to do what I want. No, we'll be doing the will of the Father, and we'll be the most happy and most satisfied we'll ever be. So we won't even be pursuing our own ends in heaven.
I think it's important for us to discover what heaven looks like because this is God's desire for mankind in this world. Um, Let me say this. God is going to grow us, teach us, train us, and discipline us as his sons and daughters. Would you agree? In fact, if God's not training you and disciplining you, you're not a son. That's what Hebrews 8 says. And I think it's really important to understand that Jesus promised that we would endure hardship in this life. That we might be persecuted. Another great promise. Thanks, Jesus. We're going to experience heartache, hardship, suffering. This is the reality of living in the fallen world. Okay? So, with that in mind, what he does is he takes in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the discipline, in the midst of the training and the hardship and the things that we don't like about this world, he reveals his glorious will. In the midst of all that, he says, I have a better way. In the midst of all of that, he says, I'm the healer. I come from a different place. I'm your comforter. I come from a different place. God is not treating us as if he's only God of a fallen world. He's also the God of a perfect heaven. And he is bringing the virtue and the goodness of his home in us through the Holy Spirit to bring healing, to bring life, to bring comfort, to bring joy, to bring all of the things that manifest in heaven right here on earth, and it starts in us. We are too quickly running from hardship instead of receiving heaven in the midst. We wonder why we don't get a breakthrough because we run from the hardship instead of receiving a heavenly supply in the midst of the hardship. See, God is not interested in just making everything pleasant for you all the time. He is interested in being with you and in you and being everything that you need in it. Wow. Wow, he gets to be everything for me in it? Suddenly, the pain of this world isn't as painful because I've got a heavenly supply and a heavenly resource in the midst of it. I have brought heaven here because I do not respond to the things of this world the same way. I'm seated in heavenly places with Jesus. And that thing that used to get me all twisted up and freaking out and upset or angry or used to be like, I can't endure, God's like, breathes life on you, suddenly you're enduring the thing that you didn't think was endurable. And people are like, what? You went through that and you're at peace with God? Yeah. He's the only way I made it through. You had how many surgeries? And God is still good? Yeah. He became my supply. Heaven is here because I came to him in the midst of the brokenness. I didn't just prosuka my Lego, my pain away. Instead, I chose to say, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and let it be done in me. God, I I have no problem asking God to shift situations. (laughs) Like, no problem saying, God, you got to move this thing. I do not like this at all. I have no problem praying that way. Why? He's a good dad and he likes to hear all the things that I think. And guess what? If I'm off, he'll be like, shh, I got this. 
Don't worry about it. Let me be your supply. I see that you're afraid that you're not going to have enough. I got you, son. You have all the rights of heaven. What, what do you need? What do you need? And sometimes he will provide us the miracle from heaven in a way that we didn't think would happen. This is why it's really dangerous to try to play God. Because we'll often try to fix our own problem and then we miss out on this divine, like, oh, opportunity. Or, you know, like we've, we've taken control over it instead of leaving it before the throne. So God's calling us into a new place to let heaven come in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hardship. I think we got to get this in us. We got to get it in us because we, we can run around like entitled little brats. God, you owe me. Snap our fingers. God, you owe me. No, he doesn't owe us anything. But as his son, I can come and ask for whatever I need. And his promise, his word, that I can prosuka my Lego all day. You said, God, if I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, all these things would be added. You said that if I was willing to give up my, husband, my, my spouse, if I was willing to give up my children, if I was willing to give up everything for your kingdom, that you would bring back all of them here, that you would bless me with all of that here and now. So I put you on the throne of my marriage. I put you on the throne of my children. I put you on the throne of my finances. And I entrust them fully to you. Even when I can't see what's going to happen next, I give it to you. Now heaven begins to breathe on your situation. Heaven begins to move in ways that you've never seen him move before. Because you quit controlling what God's trying to do. None of that was in my notes. I'll, amen, hallelujah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. God is so good. Lord, let your kingdom done, come. Let your will be done. The word come literally translated means let her be coming, and that literally means final stage of childbirth. Like the baby's coming out. Let your kingdom be birthed. Let your kingdom come. This has, of course, historical inference to the final stage of childbirth. There's excitement, emotions that are mixed with both pain and anticipation. Right? It's a very strong word. Let me tell you what's wrong with most of our Christian um, dictionary etymology. Etymology is 30 words. But the, 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 the Christian dictionaries are horrible at getting the emotional significance at many of the Greek and Hebrew words. They didn't have to say, they didn't have the adjective like, well, they had adjectives. Or they, it wasn't like, they weren't adding spice with extra words. They would actually write the spice into the word. And we miss a lot of it. Like one of my most frustrating things to deal with in this realm is the difference between man, mankind, humankind, men and women and all of that because some people feel like anytime that the word man is used, it only means men. But that's not the spicy version. Well, we're going to take it as literal as possible. Well, you're not actually... Like you're cutting out part of the translation to serve your point. Whew. Drives me nuts. There's deep emotion in both of these words of come and be done. They're strong words. It's not like, come here, rocket, my little dog. Come on. Come, come. Not that. Come, right? Sorry, I just really freak some people out. But there's this desperation to, like, 
Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I, I'm... Let me, let me just say this. This is not that we command God to make it come, but our prayer should be authoritative in our declarations. His will being done is for us to enact the authority that we have been given over all that is not his will. Okay, can I, can, I just got to deal with this. Can we stop blaming God for suffering? Please? I mean, it might feel nice in the moment to be like, well, God did that. Because we need a way to reason it. We need a way to kind of, like, how do I make sense of this brokenness in this fallen world, right? Like, we're all trying to make sense of it. God is not the author of suffering. I think that there are so many deaths that happen outside of God's divine timing. And yet I've seen death happen in God's divine timing. Just because it happened didn't mean that God said, that was my will. That is a false version of sovereignty. It's a false version of sovereignty. And I'm sorry, there is no way that you are going to blame God for the pain and suffering of this world when he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The one who sent his son to die and suffer for the sin and the pain and the suffering of this world, he's the one who made a way for the suffering to be taken all on him because he didn't want us to have it. No, God did not give you cancer. Stop saying that. Please, he didn't. Is he sovereign? Yes, he is sovereign. He can do anything that he wants to do at any time, however he wants to do it. He is absolutely sovereign. Is God running everybody's life with a joystick in a video game? No, you will choose this here, you will choose this here, you will choose this. No, he's called freedom. He gives us freedom, and guess what? There are consequences to sin. And one of the consequences to sin is disease. The murder of children in the womb. It's a consequence of sin. It is not God's will. I don't know how to be more forceful or blunt about it. I've seen a child die. It was not God's will. It was not God's will. It was not. It might feel comforting to say, well, Jesus took him home. No. He's at home with Jesus. That's comforting. <laughs> but let's, let's not blame the perfect God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the most merciful in all, all of creation. Let's not put evil on him. This is a hill I'll die on. Okay. Well, that was fun. All right, so... Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will being done is for us to enact authority we have been given over all that is not his will. So when we see things happening that are not the will of God, how do we know whether or not something is the will of God? Here we go. How do we know? Check it out. It's a good book. You should read it. Like, figure figure out If it's not in his will, then he's giving us authority to make it correct, to make it right. Start first in you, right? 
Don't go trying to change your neighbor's yard when you haven't picked up yours. Okay, like, deal with you first. Lord, heal me, deliver me, free me, right? Let's get healed, and then we're going to operate with some authority because we've shut off all of the nagging voices of the devil that wants to distract you and keep you out of destiny. We actually need to take some time to deliver ourselves from those demonic whispers that keep us out of destiny. It happens all the time for all of us. Okay, I'm, I'm not alone here. Listen, the devil hates you and he wants you out of the will of God. So we have to say, okay, God, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to consistently come to you. I want you to heal up any area where my, my ears are not able to hear you. Okay, I want to get that right. So. I'm just going to encourage you. Embrace the role of a son and make his name holy. Wherever you go, make his name holy wherever you go. I'm also going to say establish his higher purpose in every situation. He has a higher purpose in every situation. His will is better and it's bigger than we see in the moment. So God, what is your higher will in every situation? I'm struggling, God, because I am, I've been praying and I've been going to war for this thing. And I don't see, Father, will you show me what your higher will is in this? Will you give me a bigger perspective on it? And then I've got to say, okay, God, in this situation, I'm going to establish your higher purpose in this situation. As a son, I'm going to establish a higher purpose, and I'm going to let the will of God and his kingdom be established right here, right now, where I am. This is why our families need transformation, because we've been focused on our neighbor's family and not our own. God, bring revival to our home and our homes. So where do we start as we seek the Lord? Because remember, this is a prayer protocol. This is, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to enact this, but I'm praying, oh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I, my, the way I've been praying it is this. Lord, if there's anything in me that is not allowing your kingdom to come in me, I repent. Let me find the way that I'm not letting your kingdom fully envelop me. I'm not living from heaven in this area. I've got fear. I've got doubt. I've got anxiety. Oh, God, show me what heaven is saying here. Let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth in me as it is in heaven in me. God's really good at pointing out the areas where I'm, I'm <laughs> he's like, uh, dude, <laughs> uh, that thing, yeah, that, you got to go, yeah, repent for that. You're off. Okay, so I go Repent. The first thing that we need to do is repentance. What am I believing that does not match his kingdom and his will? Maybe you still think that you can earn favor with God. That's not heaven. See, God pours out favor before you get it right. It's called grace. No, 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 really. He gives you favor before you get it right. He gave you favor while you had it all wrong. Woo. That's so good. Well, why am I still striving to earn favor from God? So God, if I get it right this time, will you, will you give me the pay raise? Receive the reality that his kingdom is in you by the Holy Spirit. Listen, his kingdom is in you because the Holy Spirit is in you.
Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to fill you. He will begin to displace the areas that are not of him. He'll just start pushing them out. You say, fill me. That stuff that's not aligning, I'm repentant. I, I, I just changed my mind. I'm asking God for a new perception. I'm asking God to have a renewed mind. Okay. So now in that place, I need to receive the Holy Spirit. Now I need to pray for a deeper desperation and hunger for his presence. See, God will feed the hungry. I think oftentimes we try to get by with a little bit of God. We try to get by with just enough to make us feel better about our situation. (laughs) Just saying. And what God wants us to begin to do is become desperately hungry for heaven to be in us. Desperately hungry to touch the throne room of God. To become desperate and passionate about experiencing the Holy Spirit right here and now. See, it's the glory of a king to conceal a matter. And the same The same God that hid gold inside of rock is the same God who said that his will, heaven on earth, was to be done here. The only people who find gold are the ones who are desperate to look for it. You might stumble across some every once in a while. You might even go panning, right? Find a little nug. All right, fun. If you're going to find gold, you actually got to go look for it. You got to be desperate to go find it. See, it's very much like a pearl of great price. What are you willing to sell to get the kingdom? How desperate are you to have the kingdom of God in you? That's the challenge for today. Will you stand with me? Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want us to just begin to enter into a little bit of of reflection with the Lord. Just begin to reflect a little bit on his presence in your life. And I want you to consider hunger and desperation. Father, we want to be hungry for you. There's a lot of reasons, God, why we have held you at a distance or we have kept you far from us. There's a lot of reasons, God, why we have chosen to ignore your word. But we lay all of our excuses down this morning. And we we come in agreement with the protocol of heaven. And we declare... Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom be birthed in us, God. You said that the kingdom was inside of us. So God, I'm asking for a deep personal transformation of hearts and minds today. Deep personal transformation of hearts and minds today. Lord, if there's any of us here who have kept you at a distance because of fear, we haven't given ourselves wholly to the work of the ministry that you've called us to. 
whether that's in, in, in the pulpit or if that's out in our workplace or in our neighborhood and whatever it is that you've asked us to do, God, when we have held you at bay, we repent. Father, we, we do not want to hold you at arm's length any longer. You've, you've asked us to pray and declare that your kingdom come, that your will be done, that heaven would invade our lives and our hearts. So God, I'm asking right now that for every person who has pushed you away, for every person that has said, maybe next year, God, Maybe when I get a new job, maybe when, it, maybe when that season's over, Father, they've made excuses for not doing your will. Father, I ask right now that a spirit of repentance would come upon them, that they would no longer agree with the lie that the enemy has told them, but they, they would lay it down before you and say, yes, God, I am willing and I repent and I come in agreement with your will for my life. I will no longer live pushing you away, but I will run to your throne and I will give you my life and whatever it costs, God, I'm going to give it to you today. Thank you, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and just brood over your people right now. God, their hearts and minds would be transformed right now, that they would, they would be laying everything in the line, that they would no longer begin to believe that they're in control when they're not doing your will. God, may they let go and choose your will above their own. They would no longer hide from you because they think it's safer. What a lie. God, you're the safest place in the world. And we just break off the lies of the devil that wants to keep you out of your destiny, that wants to keep you just getting by, just thinking that, that there's just a barely enough for you. Father, I'm asking right now that whatever lies are being believed that your spirit would just cut through them like a knife right now in Jesus' name. The truth would be heard. Truth would be told. God, that we would say yes to your truth in our innermost being. That we would not hold back our yes from you any longer. If that's you this morning and you said, you know what? Chris, I, I, I believe that God has called me into some things and I've been putting it off. I have not been doing the will of God because I've got a lot of excuses for it, right? Like I've got lots of reasons why I'm not doing the thing that I'm pretty sure God's asking me to do. I'm not even trying to figure it out. <laughs> if that's you, I want you to come up. We're gonna come into agreement with you and we're gonna say yes to whatever it is that God's calling you into, whatever it is. God knows God knows. Come on, if you got a yes to the Lord today for his will to be done in your life, that heaven come on your life, and that was you and you felt that, yeah, I need to lay some things down, I want you to come up. I want to agree with you in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, I, I had a feeling there was like eight or nine probably people in here that have, have been putting off their call because of fear, anxiety, worry, past traumas and hurts getting in the way. We just say no to all that. Come on up. Come on up. We just release the healing virtue of the Father over you right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We just declare God's healing virtue over you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Church, if you can, I'm going to minister here for a minute. I'd love for all of you, if you have your spiritual language, just to pray in the Spirit. If you don't, pray with what you know. But we're just going to intercede in the Spirit for a few minutes because I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is here because He wants to bring revival to this region. 
And he wants a people who are hungry. And as you're praying, if you feel like, oh, I need more hunger for the Lord, I'm lacking in my hunger, you come up too. We'll pray with you too. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you're hungry for more and you feel like, man, I really need to get more hungry, come on up as well. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.